Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again on the PCICS podcast, the go-to podcast for pediatric cardiac critical care. My name is Deanna Zanatos, and I'm one of the executive producers of the podcast. Today, we have a special episode honoring the life and career of Lisa Kaur, hosted by Dr. Sarah Tabbitt. Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Tabbitt, and I'm a cardiac intensivist at University of California, San Francisco. Today, the podcast is going to be focused on a friend and colleague of many of us, Lisa Kaur, who, as most people know, unfortunately passed away almost exactly a year ago. I'll be reaching out to friends and colleagues that she worked with, starting at Boston Children's Hospital, moving to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and finally with colleagues from Cincinnati, where she was working at where was the last place she worked. So our first guest is going to be Pat O'Brien. Pat is probably one of the most senior nurse practitioners in the field and only just recently retired from a long career at Boston. So Pat, I have some questions for you if you're ready. I am. Uh, okay. So first, can you tell us how you first met Lisa Kaur? Lisa came to Boston in 1987, right around the same time I did. She wanted to work in a Pete's cardiac ICU, and she also wanted the opportunity to go to graduate school. And she did both while she was in Boston. I had an opening for another NP on the post-op surgical service after she had already taken an NP job in GI. And I went to recruit her to come back to cardiology. She turned me down. Lucky for me, and I think for the rest of the field of Pete's cardiac nursing, is that the GI service had changed the focus of her job to a completely outpatient job. And everyone who knows Lisa knows that she really loved the challenge of inpatient care. So I was able to lure her back to cardiology and to working with me. And that's when I really got to know her very well on the inpatient service. That's such a good story. That's where I first also Mm -hmm. met Lisa when I was a fellow at Boston. And I would have to sign out the patients at the end of my call shift Mm -hmm. to Lisa and Pat, always an intimidating process. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like working with Lisa back in the 90s at Boston? Mm -hmm. These were the early days of NP practice, and we were in a pretty independent role for the time. And the two of us basically managed the surgical service on the ward. And we usually had probably 12 to 15 patients at a time. I'd see her in the morning and we'd sort of divide things up and then we'd (laughs) run around all day. What I remember frequently was sitting with her at the end of the day. We tried to do our notes together. And that was a time we could sort of share what had gone on and share our practice. And I think working together made us both better clinicians. She'd sit there with her Diet Coke that Lisa always had, and I'd have my cup of tea, and we'd review what happened during the day. As all of you have worked with known Lisa, she was smart. She was a fabulous clinician. She loved what she did in terms of taking care of kids and families, had a very positive outlook, and was a lot of fun. She had laughed all the time, had a wonderful smile. She was also very inquisitive. I think one of her favorite, most used phrases was, I have a question for you. So we spent a lot of time sharing questions and answers. I know that at least when I've worked with Lisa, she's very dedicated to her job. Do you have any examples of Lisa's dedication? Absolutely. Time management was not Lisa's strength, mainly because she was always trying to do too much and fit too much into not enough time. But She was supposed to be leaving to go out of town and catch a plane one Friday afternoon, and I had signed her out and plenty of time to get there, but she went off to do one more thing, and I looked up at 6.30 at night to find her coming down the hall, and she had missed her plane, thanks to Boston traffic, and not leaving soon enough, but she had come back to check on the patient that had made her delayed in the first place, and I think that really speaks to Lisa's dedication. 
of what a wonderful clinician and a caring person that she was. Yeah, I completely agree. She would never leave if there was something going on in the unit. I'm just curious, after Lisa left Boston for Chicago, did you guys stay in touch? Um, We did. We became good friends in Boston um, and then often used to share a room at different national meetings and things. And we were involved with the Society of Peds Nursing and American Heart and other organizations. So I saw her frequently over the years, which was wonderful. That's really great. I, I actually didn't know that then. That's that's news to me that you guys stay close. So I think that's fantastic. Can you share a little bit about, I know Lisa went on to get several advanced degrees. Can you share a little bit about her additional education? It's so much fun to see people that you've worked with totally take off and blossom. And Lisa was one of those. She was interested in research when she was at Children's and we did a small project on recovery after PDA thoracoscopic closure, which was a new thing at the time, and has totally disappeared. She went on to do more research when she was in Chicago and, in fact, got her MPH and then continued with research when she got to Philadelphia. She also became very involved with NAPNAP, which is the um, nurse practitioner, PEDS nurse practitioner national organization. She was on the board of that and on the board of the Society for PEDS Nurses, was involved with PICS, became a well-known speaker and had numerous publications. So she became a real star in the field. And if I remember correctly, at Penn, she went went on and got a PhD. Isn't that, is that right? She didn't quite finish it, but she uh-huh. did most of the work towards it, yes. Um, I know I was trying to help with one of her research projects. Right. Love of her family and everyone who knows she moved actually from Boston back to Chicago to get closer to her family in the Midwest. And the other is that she always had dogs and her Boston dog was Dan. <laughs> Forgot about the dogs. Is there any other special story you'd like to share with us, Pat? No, she was just a tremendous person and colleague. And it was just a real blessing to have known her and to have the chance to work with her. She was one of my best partners ever. Yeah, I know you've inspired a lot of nurse practitioners, but Lisa's probably the one that just really excelled. And she then went on to inspire so many other nurse practitioners and then this whole field of CICU advanced practice nursing's just exploded. And it's a lot of credit goes to you and her at the, starting at the beginning. Well, I really appreciate you joining and I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with Lisa. And I thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay, I am here now transitioning Lisa from Boston to Children's Hospital, Philadelphia. I'm sorry, I skipped the Chicago era. And I am here with uh, Chitra Ravishankar an old friend and colleague who's been at CHOP for a very long time. And at the time Lisa was there, I was working in the cardiac intensive care unit and now stepped into the uh, step down unit and does heart failure. And also with Miriam Nyam, who was with Lisa, I think since fellowship in the cardiac ICU and worked closely with Lisa the entire time that she was at CHOP. So I'm going to start by asking you, Miriam, if you want to go first, if you could just say a little bit about what Lisa meant to you personally. Lisa was an incredible friend and colleague. She was someone that I worked with as a fellow. And as I transitioned to an attending, she was someone who I worked very, very closely with as an attending. I learned a lot from Lisa. She was a great teacher, a very patient person, and uh, someone who was really an utmost professional. She treated with me with so much kindness and respect. And that's really something that I cherished about her. Thank you, Miriam. Chitra, do you have some personal things you'd like to share about Lisa? Yeah, you know, just I echo what Miriam just said. You know, she I learned so much from her and she was somebody I could 
go to and and talk very freely to problem solve if you will and then it meant so much to me that she chose me as you know Nico's cardiologist i think that was that was such an honor and it really meant a lot to me thank you chitra miriam to you can you give an example or talk a little bit about lisa's clinical skills in the icu So many of my ICU attending colleagues, including the two of you, will probably echo this. She was an astounding clinician, and I can say that I don't recall ever having a patient arrest. She was on, or she had this very keen sense of what was going on with a patient and had really mastered uh, pattern recognition. She was definitely a master clinician, and again she she had this sense that patient needs to be intubated we need to escalate support something is not right here she knew how to get our attention focused on the patient and you know divert trouble so she was she was fantastic really astute excellent clinician chitra i don't think that leaves much for you to say but if you have no, something you want to add no what i would say is you know what she had that special instinct and she had a sixth sense and intuition about the patient you know this is not something everybody has and lisa certainly had that yeah i totally agree with that mariam do you want to talk a little bit about how lisa changed the role of the nurse practitioner when she came to chop and how the program's grown from when she when she first came so the program has really grown dr- dramatically when lisa first started at chop she was our first uh, nurse practitioner working in the ICU as a frontline provider and as the program grew initially the NP's role was to take care of more of the chronic patients as 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 the NP program expanded and Lisa really challenged that because she really felt that she should be taking care of all the patients whether they were acute or chronic she loved taking care of chronic patients but she really loved acuity and like taking care of the post op patients and the patients on ecmo and uh, she loved doing procedures and she was excellent at procedures excellent at intubating and she inspired many junior nurse practitioners to kind of move their thinking from taking care of the chronic stable patient to like the more acute sick patient and our program now has grown to you know a group of over 20 APPs and Lisa definitely inspired many nurses in our ICU to become nurse practitioners and also inspired junior nurse practitioners to become you know really acute care or, or ICU care nurse practitioners versus those taking care of chronically ill patients you know it's funny i was the director of the ICU when she came to interview she wanted to come to chop so she could get her phd at penn and i was asked to interview this lisa core who was interviewing for a job on the step down unit and i was like what and so i called the chief nursing officer and i said oh no she's applying for the wrong job so we called lisa the day before our interview and said well you're interviewing with everyone on the step down unit but we really want you to work in the icu <laughs> so that's how she ended up in the icu can i switch gears a little bit and chitra do you want to talk a little bit about i mean i couldn't believe that lisa adopted that was after i left chop and based on all the partying and fun things i did with lisa i didn't ever thought that she wanted to be a mom but i know she was an amazing mom and you guys were there when all that happened chitra do you want to talk a little bit about that process yeah no surely i'll i'll never forget this weekend when you know i randomly get this text from lisa you know hey are you free can you can we talk about something and and she literally like throws this bomb <laughs> 
<laughs> so this kid who's, who's been in our unit for a long time, you know, mostly for social re- reasons, this cute kid, like everybody just loved Nico, corrected transposition and who was an VSD who, who was banded and had a twin. And so she said, like, what do you think if I, you know, decide to become his foster mom? And, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't know how to react initially, but, you know, we spoke for a bit and she clearly wanted to do this. So I was fully supportive of her. And and then, yeah, I think like the, to me, as I said earlier, you know, it was the, it really meant a lot to me that she reached out to me to help her make this decision. She'd already made this decision, but then, you know, she chose me to to follow him as his cardiologist. And Miriam, isn't it a true story that he kind the twins kind of came suddenly and she didn't have any stuff in the house for kids? And then all of the initial childcare was other ICU nurses that were at the house taking care of the kids when she was working? Something um, like that? That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Everything happened really, really quickly. Um, she, had, she had nothing for them. She so had nothing, that, right? <laughs> there, was, uh, there was nothing. So all of us kind of helped, everyone helped. Some of the ICU attendings helped take care of the twins and all of us kind of pitched in to get her furniture and clothes for the kids. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. We all, we all celebrated them coming to the house together. And a lot of the ICU nurses took care of the twins while Lisa had them in Philadelphia because uh, Nico needed nursing care. And so there, there, there were a whole bunch of nurses that helped take care of them. And, you know, I think that they really enjoyed it and enjoyed supporting her. That's so awesome. I do remember her texting me about that. Chitra, just uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on Nico's surgery, uh, double switch procedure. I remember I was in the waiting room at Michigan with Lisa until Ed Beauvais came out to say that he thought everything had gone well. But do you want to talk a little about her, her decision to have the surgery in Michigan and a little bit about what she went through during the hospitalization? Yeah, sure. You know, I think it was a tough decision just because she worked here and and she wanted really the best possible outcome for, for Nico, obviously. And we talked about this and we got second opinions from Boston and, and Michigan, and Lisa chose to go to Michigan. And obviously, I think that was, I fully supported her decision. And it was those few weeks to months there was really tough, especially the first few days where he arrested and had the first run of ECMO, then the second run of ECMO. And then, you know, when it came to the third time, I think it was really hard. And I know she spoke to you about that for quite a bit as well. And I was quite pessimistic and I wasn't sure that, you know, she should go ahead with that. But she just, she felt that that was the right thing to do and that she should just take a chance, even though she knew what the, you know, the outcomes could be. And she was right. And she really fought it through and and he was stable enough to be transferred to our CICU and then to our step-down unit. And eventually he was able to go home. And I think, you know, even though he's not completely normal, he's like incredibly, he has made incredible pro- progress. And I think it's all kudos to Lisa, what she was able to do, you know, despite being a single mom and and working full-time in a CICU, she was so dedicated to him. 
And yeah, I agree. The daily conversations with her early during that hospitalization with the ECMO runs and the arrests. And I was same as you on that third ECMO run. I just, I didn't know what kind of advice to give her, but she made the right decision. She did. And Sarah, I know I will say this. She, her family obviously are just amazing, right? She has, she's just surrounded by people who always supported her. Because I I remember for Thanksgiving, she would always drive home and I thought she was crazy. (laughs) Post call, she would drive home. But she, that's what she did. And I would always say, my God, how are you going to drive back home after, you know, being up all night? But that's what she did. And her family mm-hmm. has been incredibly supportive. And also the her friends here, some of the nurses here in the CICU, they have just been so amazing in mm-hmm. in caring for Nico. Yeah, thank you. That was very nicely put. Miriam and Chitra, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with Lisa today and taking the time. Yeah. And then Sarah, if I could just, uh, you know, the one thing I always remember about Lisa is, you know, when I would walk in early in the morning, just to walk through the CICU and Lisa's on call, you'll see her sitting in the middle desk, you know, with one of those blankets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. with, with her, with her heels and her feet up. <laughs> <laughs> And she'd still have a smile on her face, you know, she'd be so tired, but never forget that. That's how, you know, that's how I remember her. Always, always. Well, thank you both. I appreciate it. Thank you. I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor of this episode, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. For over 100 years, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta has endeavored to make kids better today and healthier tomorrow. As the largest cardiac program in the Southeast, one of the top five largest pediatric heart centers in the nation for cardiac intensive care unit and cardiac acute care unit volumes, and one of the top 10 largest pediatric heart centers for heart surgery, catheterization procedure, and transplant volumes, Children's Heart Center provides exceptional treatment for complex heart defects encompassing patients from fetus through adulthood. Offering the only support group of its kind in the nation, Children's Kids at Heart program has served thousands of families, providing education, meals, and emotional support. Through academic partnerships with Emory University School of Medicine and Georgia Institute of Technology, Children's Heart Center is also a national leader in heart disease research, while treating more than 40,000 complex congenital cardiac patients annually. In 2025, Children's Heart Center will move to the new 446-bed Arthur M. Blank Hospital, offering more than 20 acres of green space, including walking and biking trails, state-of-the-art patient rooms, and technological advancements, allowing for enhanced research, 3D printing, and simulation training. For more information, follow Children's Healthcare of Atlanta on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, or TikTok. Okay, we have now moved to Cincinnati Children's Hospital and where Lisa uh, worked near the end of her career. And I am really happy that we have two guests, Abby Morton and Lauren Beats, who are both advanced practice nurses there and would like to share their experiences with Lisa. So I appreciate both of you guys uh, joining today. Let me start with Abby. Can you describe a little bit about what you remember from the first time that you met Lisa and where you were in your career? Yeah, so I had just come to Cincinnati Children's from Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. And I remember my first day very vividly. Our educator met with me in the morning and was telling me about the the nurse practitioner they were putting me with for orientation. And she just said, Lisa was this no-nonsense 
you know, incredible nurse practitioner. And I was so intimidated by everything that she had done and everything Kristen had told me about her. And then she walked me over to the unit and I met Lisa and we rounded together and we just immediately hit it off. And, you know, I spent the next six months with her orienting to Cincinnati Children's and getting a grasp on my new position there. So that was my introduction to her, but she was fantastic. We, I mean, the moment we met, we hit it off. We had so much in common. We had the same passion for the job and the work that we do. And she really lit a fire under a lot of nurse practitioners to aspire for excellence. And I just felt that every single day that I was with her. Yeah, I have to agree. The first time I met Lisa, she scared the shit out of me too. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) She is an intimidating lady. And I spent 40 hours every week trying to impress her. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lauren, how about you? Do you remember the first time you met Lisa? Yes, actually we were interviewing Lisa and everyone on the team was a little bit intimidated because we had a well-seasoned applicant and we're like, oh my goodness, what does she want to do with the step-down unit? Because she had only been in the ICU and we all thought she was going to kick our butts and she was going to be like the most smart person we had ever seen. And she was so funny and relaxed during her interview that all of her resume and her CV kind of like took the backseat to her personality. And so we were so happy and privileged to be able to bring her on board. And then I refused to precept her because she was (laughs) so advanced. So I made the other people on the team do that, but she was just wonderful and a delight. And obviously she flew through like so fast. She was a little intimidating in regards to her CV. Abby, you said you worked with her for six months where she was your mentor. Do you have any stories or anything that you remember specifically about that time that you want to share? Yes, I remember like a very specific transition point in my orientation with her. I came to Cincinnati Children's with experience in cardiology and CT surgery. So once her and I met and we spent probably a good month together, I remember one day we were in the office and she turned and looked at me and she was like, all right, I think you've proven yourself. Like, you know, your stuff. I get, I got it. Like, you know, we can, and then every day from then on out, she was like, I'm going to take you to the next level. Like we are going to dive into this physiology. I'm going to teach you something every day. And every day she grilled me in the corner of this office. She would give me, (laughs) she would be like, all right, you have a post-op blend and it's 3am and they're desaturated. What are you going to do? Tell me step by step what you're worried about and what you're going to do. And she, I mean, there'd be times where she would grill me for like four hours on, you know, middle of the night questions. And then she'd make it so fun. She'd be like, oh, the surgeons are busy now. What are you going to do? And I'm like, come on, Lisa, like, come me some slack. I don't even know these people. I don't know who I'm calling. I just got here. But I think the provider that I was prior to coming to Cincinnati and the provider that I am now are complete 180s of each other, the confidence that she instilled in me. And, you know, she let me know every day, like, you got this, like, you are, you're going to make such an impact and you are going to be great. And I just want to give you everything that I have. And I really feel like she poured herself into me. And I think about Lisa constantly when I'm at work and when I'm driving home from work, I'm like, oh, Lisa would have known what to do there. Like, I wish I could call her. I wish I could, you know, talk to her about that situation because I know that, you know, she would still be having a huge impact on my career if she was still here. 
so yeah, I, I mean, every day was fantastic with her, but she, she really, I think pulled something out of me that I didn't even know was there. And I think that I will remember her for a very long time, even though I was only with her for six months. I, I attribute a lot of my success even right now to the time that I had with Lisa. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think she taught a lot of people, certainly at CHOP. So Lauren, it was a little different for you. You'd already been working there when she came. And I don't think she'd ever worked on a step down unit before. So no. I just just curious. I was just curious how, how that went. Like, was, was she looking for open chests and art lines or she was okay just ordering LASIX and stuff like that? I mean, a lot of times she would kind of push the envelope a little bit and be like, why aren't we doing this? And then we'd have to be like, Lisa, it's a step down unit. We don't do that over here. <laughs> He'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys are a bunch of cuckoo heads. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> like we can't, we can't start decks over here or, you know. She right away joined the Clapsy team and was all about like, well, if you're not going to use these central lines over here, then we're going to get them out. And so she was always corralling the tendings on rounds and pushing the envelope a little bit. But again, making us think like maybe we can do a little bit more out on the step down unit. I forgot she always used to say cuckoo. Anyway, Lauren, I think you might have a few funny stories you might want to share with us about Lisa. The biggest thing that I remember about Lisa is that she was never on time and she was trying her best to be on time, but she would run into the office in her business clothes with flip-flops on. And I would say 50% of the time she'd forget her shoes. And so she would be <laughs> in hospital scrubs and flip-flops or her like dress clothes with like sneakers that didn't match because they were what she had left underneath her desk. And so <laughs> I was like, Lisa, how are you so together professionally and then just so not together in the same light? She would run into like the five o'clock sign out for night shift with like her work bag and her lunch bag and her water bottle because she didn't have time to make it to the office. And then we would hear a story about how there was traffic on the 75 and Nico ripped apart his G-tube and it spilled all over the bed and she had to do a last minute bed change. And so it was always, there was always a whirlwind around her and it was just so fun to be around and hear her stories. And I think my favorite, my favorite like whirlwind Lisa story is we were on a meeting and I, we were talking about something like very important that people were like really hush hush about. And she forgot to, she forgot to mute her mic. <laughs> and so in the background at home, you hear Nico like throwing down a broom and Annie's running around screaming and she's trying to corral them, but doesn't know her microphone is <laughs> off. We're like texting her like, Lisa, Lisa, turn your mic off. And then she runs back and she goes, Oh God, I'm so sorry. And she mutes it right away. <laughs> it was just. It was so <laughs> typical, Lisa. It was just the office is much quieter without her there, for sure. Yeah, I bet. Last question to each of you guys. Abby, do you want to speak something to what you think Lisa's legacy is? Oh, man, her legacy is more than me talking for 10 minutes. Holy crap. She, I just, I think that her legacy is, you know, excellence for nurse practitioners and and pushing the envelope and making sure that you are practicing to your full potential. And I think that her, yeah, professionally, her legacy is, is very vast. And I hope that, you know, we can make her proud as, as nurse practitioners who got the honor to work with her and be with her. But I do think part of her legacy is 
you know, she, like Lauren said, is so funny and she always had something to say on rounds and, and, you know, if she didn't like what an attending was saying, she had something to say about it. And it was the greatest thing ever when she would kind of clap back at somebody on rounds. And I'm like, you know, like I would get interrupted on rounds and Lisa would be like, excuse me, can she just complete her sentence? And then you'll know what she wants to do. And I'm like, yeah, Lisa, get them. So I think that, you know, professionally, her legacy is, is very much nurse practitioners practicing to their full authority and, and just being incredible at your job. And, you know, she had a great perspective of, of a provider and a parent. And I hope that, you know, every day we can remember that there's another side to, you know, these patients and families. And and Lisa reminded us of that every day. Oh, that's such an excellent point. You know, I never had the opportunity to work with her after she was a mom. And so I never got to see that side of her, which I really would have liked. Lauren, your turn. What would you, if asked, what would you say you think Lisa's legacy is? I would say, knowing her personally, that to me, her legacy is work hard, play harder, because she would come to work 100% in every day. But at the same time, she would be balancing child care and being a single mom with two children, one with medical complexities. And she would make sure that they went to soccer and dancing and never had to do without anything, even if she had to do without. And so I think at work, you would have no idea if you just met her that she had all of those things going on because she put a a very professional work face on and published books and was a super badass. But then she also was a fabulous mom, friend, and family member to the rest of the members in her family. And she always made time to take care of everyone. You guys, thank you so much for taking time to contribute to this podcast and share your thoughts with Lisa. I, I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Our last guest today is Allison Hill. Allison is a longtime bedside nurse in the cardiac ICU at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and subsequently became very close friends of Lisa Kors. Allison, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let me start at the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about what you remember from the first time you met Lisa? Yes. Uh, the very first time I met Lisa was, I was new to CHOP, not a new nurse, but new to CHOP. And I went out on medical leave and I came back and I was, or I was, came back early to orient to the new computer system, whatever that was. But so I'm sitting there at the computer. My back is to Lisa, never met her before. Somebody was asking about my recovery and we were talking about that. And she just got my attention and she just looked at me and she's like, my friend just had that. You'll be fine. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be fine. <laughs> but that was my very first meeting. No, and like, hi, my name's Lisa Kaur. What's your name? We didn't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've uh, talked to a lot of guests on this podcast, but you're the only one who's actually a bedside nurse working with Lisa Kaur. Can you describe a little bit what it was like from the bedside nurse in terms of her interactions with the bedside nurses or clinical skills and how you liked working with her? So most of my career at CHOP, I was a night shift bedside nurse. So in the beginning of our shift, we would have a huddle, which I don't know what other hospitals call it, but the charge nurse would come in and be tell us what was going on in the unit, who the charge nurse was, who the doctors were, who the front lines were. And if we heard Lisa was on, we were all happy. She's brilliant. She's very independent in her thoughts, and she would fend for her, the patients. 
So we knew that our patients would be taken care of. They would, she would come to our bedside and it took her a while to trust you, but she finally, you know, once she trusted you, she really did trust you, but she would come around throughout the, uh, the shift and make sure everything was, uh, okay. She would check on your orders, make sure everything was up to date and not often, but when we had the time, she would be social, but you know how CICUs are. There's not much social time in the, during the shift, but. She was very social, but that was before kids. I shouldn't have said but, but it was before kids. So her life was totally different. So speaking of kids, we talked in one of our earlier podcasts with Chitra and Miriam about how surprised everyone was when she said she wanted to foster the twins and how potentially unprepared she was. Do you remember the situation when you first learned that she was going to uh, foster uh, Nikki and Annie? Yeah. So Virginia and other bedside nurse and I were leaving probably Saturday morning. And Lisa went into this one office and we were all three of us were walking out together. Virginia said, Lisa is adopting or fostering Annie and Nico. You know, I knew Nico from being in the hospital. She's like, you should, you know, help her with Annie because she has no one here in Pennsylvania. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like whatever. Like I knew Lisa to work with, but not socially. So then probably within a week, I'm watching Annie and I go to pick her up and (laughs) She literally had nothing ready for the kids because it was such a last minute decision. And we all know how foster systems work and it is last minute. Her parents were there for a very short period of time, but they had to go back to home to Ohio. And so I believe that she got the kids on a Saturday. And as her mom and her and Lisa were waiting for the kids, Lisa described the kids to her mother and like what they looked like physically. And when they came, the mom was like, you described totally two different kids because these kids look nothing like what you described. Nico's a blonde hair boy, still has blonde hair. And she said he was like dark brown. And I don't even know how she described Annie. She remembered him. She remembered the kids totally different. That's so funny. Can you talk a little bit about, I know because Lisa was still working full time in the cardiac ICU when she initially had the kids. And can you describe a little bit how you and some of your friends helped out? Yeah. So like I said, Virginia prompted me to help because like I said, I just knew Lisa to work with. And so I did end up watching Annie a lot in the beginning. Lisa had nobody and she was struggling with nursing care with Nico. So there was like two kinds of sitters for the kids. And, and it got to the point where I just couldn't help like do it all the time. Cause I had, you know, I had to work, I had my own life here. So I remember driving home one time from her house and I drove past Wagner. And at the time, my friend's daughter was going to school there. And I called her. I'm like, hey, my friend needs a babysitter. You want to help out? So she started helping out. Then my niece started helping out full time. And then it ended up being like from just from my family, there were six of us to take care of Annie. <laughs> not, not at one time. She's not that bad. <laughs> and then every once in a while, I would have Nika. But that was like very rare. But she had a really hard time with nursing care. For, you know, covering his shifts. Mm-hmm. And she did not have anybody here. Did that have to do with why or what was her decision to move back to Ohio? She had a couple of reasons. Her long-term plan, even before the kids, was eventually she would go back to Ohio to take care of her parents because they're elderly now. And then nursing care, as it was here, like they would call out like two hours before the shift. So then therefore Lisa would have to call out. So she thought it would be better in Ohio with nursing care. And it was not. She ended up changing Nico's whole 
plan like of care for the day. So she didn't have to have a nurse take care of him. Like she changed his feeding schedule. She changed his meds around. And this way she was just able to do all his meds and primarily all his G2 feeds for, you know, by herself and then just have a babysitter. I understand um, that since Lisa passed that the kids have sometimes come and stayed with you in Philadelphia. I think I saw a picture of them at a pool or something. So they're, they're active. They feed off of each other. Annie's a little pistol and Nico just loves it to death, loves her to death. Very good kids separately, but they, like I said, they feed off of each other and they need like, you need to be really strict with them to keep them <laughs> behaved, <laughs> but sweet. They're very sweet kids. Uh, luckily she has her sister that's taking care of them now. Is there any time when you've been working with Lisa or been out with Lisa socially where she's made you nervous? Yes. In the hospital, never. I was never nervous around Lisa in the hospital. But we, I went out. There was a couple of us that went out, you know, after she was diagnosed. And so I went out with her for the day. And I found out that day that she is a crazy driver. I never prayed so much in my life. If I said go left, she would cross three lanes to go left. She didn't care. <laughs> I really prayed the whole time. And I never let her... <laughs> drive again while I was in the car and she thought it was funny that I didn't trust her but that was all right I wanted to live (laughs) I don't think I've ever been a car with her but that story really actually doesn't surprise me too much if you saw her car you you would know that (laughs) oh (laughs) you would know that she has some accidents under her belt (laughs) all right too much information I just have one last question to sort of wrap things up have the kids ever said anything that surprising to you about Lisa? Uh, so Annie and Nick were here a couple weeks ago for the week. And Annie and I were by ourselves. We went out to a farm, but at that point we were, it was just the two of us. And we were on this tractor going to pick sunflowers. And she's like, you know, Allison, that's, that's how she talks. You know, Allison, I know my mom died. She said, but she made uh, Nico stay alive. Wow. And I was like, you know what, Annie, you're right. She worked really hard for Nico. And that's why we're all here together. Wow. Well, I think that's a great way to end this podcast. And I really appreciate you wrapping it up for us. Thank you so much, Allison. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again on the PCICS podcast. To all our listeners, thank you for listening. Please don't forget to follow us on X, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please visit our website, PCICS.org, where you can find more information about how to become a member and enjoy updated info on educational resources, meetings, job listings, and much more. The executive producers of the podcast are Lily and Sue, Sadie Rodriguez, and Diana Zanatos. The song, I Don't Know by Grapes, was used under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license.